2: This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com/peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide.
0: Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to another Ion Travel Podcast. On this episode, I'll sit down with Marriott CEO Anthony Capuano for an extended conversation on the state of the hotel business and of course, what it means to you. It's a detailed discussion on recovery and resilience. Then, what was the most complained about item in travel the past two years? It was travelers' inability to get refunds on trips that were canceled by airlines, hotels, and resorts, tour operators. But what was the second highest number of complaints? It was travel insurance. Folks who, with all the best of intentions, bought travel insurance to protect them in the event of a cancellation, only to discover that their policies wouldn't cover pandemic. I'll speak to Richard Aquino of Allianz, one of the largest travel insurance companies on the planet, on what the insurance industry is doing now, and finally, it all gets down to money. Which is why I talk with Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst and host of on money, inflation, jobs, and how you can protect yourself financially. First up, the CEO of Marriott, Anthony Capuano.
3: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: Mr. Capuano, welcome to the show. Peter, great to be here, and happy New Year. And happy New Year to you. Uh, let's let's start off with pre-pandemic. Uh, you know, you were poised; Marriott was poised to have a record year, as was just about everybody else in the travel industry. And then by the end of February, early March of twenty, the bottom fell out for everybody. Um, And, of course, we're still trying to catch up. We're still trying to get a breath. Um, You know, devastating losses financially and, of course, the human toll. Uh, Where are we right now in terms of your organization, in terms of staffing, in terms of service, uh, and in terms of the hotels themselves? And before you even answer that, I I go back to your predecessor, someone who I admired greatly and who was a friend of mine, as you know, uh, and Arne Sorensen. And there was a time what, two and a half years ago, that you guys were opening up one hotel. I mean, this is hard to even fathom. One hotel every 16 hours somewhere around the world. I mean, are we still doing that? That's right.
3: No, I mean, as you might expect, we've seen the the pace of unit growth uh, slow a bit. But maybe I'll start with your first question and and your characterization of the, the devastating impact of the pandemic not just on Marriott, but on the travel and tourism sector more broadly, is, is wholly accurate. Uh, in those early days of the pandemic, we saw uh, our revenue drop by more than 90 percent. Uh, we had fully a quarter of our nearly 8,000 hotel uh, portfolio shuttered. Uh, we had thousands and thousands of our treasured associates either on reduced work weeks or furloughed. And it was As Bill Marriott has described, the most significant challenge the company's faced in its nearly century-long history. And and that's a history that has faced wars and recessions and the Great Recession and the impact of 9-11. And so it's, it's really been remarkable. But I think the good news from where I sit, we were really pleased with the pace of travel recovery we saw in 2021. And just to give you some context to that, in January of last year, uh, global revenue per available room, which, as you know, is is maybe our most relevant metric, was down almost 65 percent compared to where we were in January of 2019. Uh, by October of 2021, we were only down 24 percent. Now, 24 percent is still a significant uh, hurdle to to uh, get past, but it was forty points of improvement, which yeah. was really encouraging. But
0: you know, I remember one of the things we've yeah. seen,
3: and this won't. Yeah, go ahead, please.
0: No, I was. Just, I remember a time about April or May of 2020 when you had over a hundred hotels that couldn't maintain their debt service.
3: That's right, and so it's um, it's a, a crisis that, as you point out, has had a horrific human toll. Uh, it is the the impact on our owners and franchisees has been extraordinary. You've seen billions upon billions of dollars of both asset and enterprise value impacted. But again, uh, travel recovery and demand recovery is in many ways um, the medicine that, that uh, addresses the concerns of all of our constituents, of our associates of our owners, of our guests, of of ultimately our shareholders. And again, we're quite encouraged, but I I, I caveat that that positivity a little bit with the fact that the the pandemic continues to be so unpredictable. And so use China as a proxy for this. Um, Earlier in 2021, uh, on an earnings call, uh, Lini Oberg, our CFO, and I talked in glowing terms about the fact that Demand in China was already above pre-pandemic levels, not just in aggregate, but in each of our three principal demand segments, business transient, group, and leisure. Uh, you fast forward a quarter or two, and with the, the outbreaks you've seen across mainland China, um, their performance has, has stumbled a bit and been much more volatile. At the other end of the spectrum, in the Middle East and Africa region, uh, in October, we saw revenue per available room fully recovered to pre-pandemic levels. And in fact, it was a couple points ahead of where we were in October of 19. Uh, wow. But again, it, it, uh, it's a hackneyed expression, but it's a little bit of one step forward and two steps back. Uh, every time we feel like we've got consistent momentum, uh, you see an outbreak or a, a new variant that... that thankfully has not stopped our recovery, but maybe slowed it for a few weeks before uh, it recovers. We saw that with the Delta variant, where the the speed of our recovery slowed for uh, a month or two and then came roaring back. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll monitor closely the impact of this new variant, although I can tell you through the holidays, we saw a Exceedingly strong demand, and as you might expect, largely driven by the leisure sector.
0: Yep, exactly. But here's a question for you, and and you know we talked about well, we haven't talked about it, but I've been talking about you know the Great Resignation and so many people getting hit in travel and hospitality, uh, according to the World Travel and, and Tourism Council. You know, ten percent of the jobs left and didn't come back, um, which of course affects staffing at your hotels, your competitors' hotels, airlines across the board in travel and tourism. And I I checked into a hotel recently, and you'll be happy to know it was not your hotel. Um, And I checked in and I said, hey, can you press my jacket? No, we don't do that anymore. "Uh, Okay, what about, uh, do you have any restaurants in the hotel? No, don't do that anymore. Okay, what about, uh, uh, of course, no room service because no restaurants. What about housekeeping? It only comes once every four days. And my question to them at that point was, and you're charging your regular rates? And they said, yeah. Right. And, and I said, wait a second. And the joke was, this was the convention of the American Society of Travel Agents. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, well, good. I'll
3: ignore the fastball you served me, which was you, you should have been in one of our hotels. But I know. You, I didn't, I didn't that one. <laughs> a, uh, re- I know. <laughs> no, but you raised a really uh, critical set of challenges facing the industry broadly. Um, without question, especially for a company like Marriott that is so focused on its associates and, and putting its people first. Some of the decisions we had to make around furloughs and job eliminations were, by a wide margin, the toughest aspect of the pandemic. Um, but I think as an industry, one of the challenges we have now, and, and you'll understand this well, Peter, for decades, I think the employer, uh, prospective employees, looked at the travel and tourism sector as a bit of a safe harbor, an area where there was always plentiful employment opportunities and really incredible opportunities to build careers. And the events of the last two years, I think, have in many ways shaken that confidence. And so we, in partnership with our industry peers, have a lot of work to do to restore that confidence that in point of fact this is an exciting, fun industry to work in. There are ample opportunities. And there are really remarkable opportunities, especially at a company like Marriott, to grow your career. Uh, One of the things you've often heard Bill Marriott and Arnie talk about was the fact that more than half of our general managers here in the U.S. started their careers as hourly workers. And I think Delivering that message consistently and broadly about the real opportunities for career growth at a company like Marriott is something that is critical for us as we work to recover from the the devastating impacts of the pandemic.
0: Anthony, the you know the real challenge. I was at a hotel which was one of your hotels uh, in, uh, in 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 uh, Montgomery, Alabama, which is a Renaissance, and there was one woman working at the restaurant. It was it was sad, and. She, hard working. I'm, she was doing almost three shifts a day. I didn't even know she slept. Uh, and I asked her, you know, how long have you worked here? And she said, you know, six years. And she'd never seen anything like this. And she was determined to still provide service and do the best she could under very trying circumstances. And yet, everybody that I talked to in the hospitality industry, and look what's going on in the airline business, you know, they they're they're understaffed. So what steps are you taking to train new people? What steps are you taking to hire new people? And then of course, from a consumer point of view, what services are you going to be bringing back that you couldn't do for the last 20 months that you're now going to try to bring back?
3: I'll give you maybe a, a micro and a macro answer to that, that set of questions. Um, certainly, particularly in leisure-focused markets, where we've seen demand return most most rapidly, um, we've got to get the hotels staffed back up. As you point out, because of the strength of those leisure destinations, the big brand comes significant pricing power, which is terrific as long as we can deliver the value uh, associated with that strong pricing power. And so we're certainly doing job fairs and sign-on bonuses and associate referral programs and all the sorts of steps you would expect. To help uh, get the hotels fully staffed Um, but that may address some short-term concerns the real challenge for us or the real opportunity for us is really differentiating our company in terms of the opportunity to build a career as opposed to just get a paycheck and so the way we treat our associates the, the upward mobility opportunities that exist the things that have really set us apart for about 95 years have to be front and center in every one of those conversations. The other issue, though, that you raise is what are guest expectations as they get back on the road? In the early days of the pandemic, in the hotels that were open and operating, uh, we had a very significant focus on enhanced cleaning protocols to try to inspire traveler and uh, associate confidence. Today, you've got a mixed bag of guests. You have some guests who are fully vaccinated, boosted, confident, ready to travel, and anxious for things to be the way they were pre-pandemic. You have others that are just starting to dip their toe back into travel. They may have some hesitancy to interact with the front desk team. They may have some nervousness about housekeepers coming into the room during their stay. They might be nervous about dining in the restaurant. And so we've got to try and balance each of the... the sets of individual concerns that our guests have, and it is most certainly challenging. I think the availability of of touchless technologies, the ability to check in online, the ability to use a mobile key, the ability to order in-room dining through the Marriott app, uh, all of those technologies are really valuable for those guests that still have some measure of discomfort. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that high touch is available for guests that are comfortable, that want to talk to the concierge about local restaurant recommendations, that want to interact with the staff about where should I go running? Where should I go? What museum should I visit? And so we're, it's still very much a work in progress, but we're trying to strike that right balance.
0: You know, even pre-pandemic, Anthony, if, if the concierge was a kiosk, I was I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but, We'll see mm-hmm. what happens with that. But but talk to me well, about what you're right. doing now I in terms of... Guess- yeah. No, go, no ahead. go ahead, please. No, I was about to say in I terms of training.
3: Say, yeah, training is is uh, it's one of our biggest strengths, and thank goodness that's the case. Because as you point out, with the number of folks that have left the travel and tourism sector, perhaps permanently, uh, we are casting a much wider net to try and identify new associates some of whom are terrific candidates, but they don't necessarily have hospitality experience in, the, in their background. And so we've got a much steeper learning curve. And I think our in-person and our online training platforms really give us a, a big leg up in trying to get those folks
0: up the learning curve quickly. And tell me what you're doing with Howard University.
3: Well, Howard University is one of the things that perhaps I'm, I'm most proud of Uh, As I think about the company and I think about my predecessor, uh, Arnie Sorensen, who I know that you knew well. And after Arnie's untimely passing, we spent a lot of time thinking, what's the best way to honor Arnie's memory and his commitment to both the company and to travel? Uh, And we chose in partnership with the Marriott Family Foundation to establish the Marriott Sorensen Center for Hospitality Leadership at Howard. Uh, the family provided a $20 million endowment. Uh, the company has pledged a million dollars and raised about $5 million. And that program will have its first cohort of students uh, in the fall of 2022. We think oh, it's going to be great. a terrific program. It's, yeah, and it's a program. It's not just a Marriott-centric program. It is for the travel and tourism uh, sector more broadly, and we think it has the potential to create a massive pipeline of talent.
0: My thanks to Anthony, travel insurance. Lots of people bought it back in 2019 and 2020. In fact, if you book your travel online, you can't even complete the transaction without opting in or out of travel insurance, without even knowing what you're covered for, or worse, what you're not covered for. I'll speak to Richard Aquino of Allianz to get an update on just that issue. Am I covered? Richard Aquino, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well, thank you. So let's go through this. You know, we're now starting to emerge from this crisis. People are starting to travel again, certainly much more than they did in 2020. And uh, more people are vaccinated, more people are boosted, and insurance is like top of mind. So how have you pivoted as a company to create a product now that may be addressing some of those issues?
1: Well, you know, you're right. We in in 2020, in the beginning of 2020, we, we didn't have pandemic coverage on our on our products. And then March rolled around and we were facing, you know, uh, uh, uncharted waters, if you will. And so we our, our policies didn't really work. So we had to make changes in fast. So we made accommodations that we would actually cover for uh, cancellation for COVID and, and as well as other pandemics, and we made um, some accommodations that your medical would, would cover that. Um, so if you were traveling and you got sick or ill on a trip and it was because of COVID, that was a, a covered medical claim. Just like if you had to cancel because you, a traveling companion, a relative, a, a father or a mother, would, got COVID, you could also cancel. And receive a full refund. Now, every policy, of course, is different, but we blanketed this statement to, to all of our policies, and and really upped the coverage level as we introduced new products into the marketplace. So we made accommodations until we could get all the filings and everything correct with with all the states to actually have this coverage. Um, so now it's part of our product line where. Um, it not only covers for trip cancellation, trip interruption, medical, but we cover quarantine, we cover denied boarding. So, you know, we, our goal at Allianz is to build the strongest products in the market that accommodate our travelers and our travel partners. And, and this is what we needed to do and did in the marketplace.
0: Okay, so let me play a little bit of devil's advocate with you. And that is so many people who listen to my show or watch me on TV, they'll make their reservations online. And when you make a reservation online with any of the OTAs, whether it's Orbitz or Expedia or Travelocity or whoever you're working with, in many cases, all you, know, you cannot complete the transaction unless you either opt in or opt out of the insurance. You see that you, you're part of that. So, in the best of intentions, you know you want to be able to get yourself protected, but I worry about the language on that first page of the websites because it doesn't necessarily always tell me what I'm covered for or what I'm not. At least that was my experience in 2020 and part of last year. Have you fixed the language on the websites?
1: Well, I mean, we, of course, we update the language on the, on the website and have links to frequently asked questions. And, and even when, if you purchase one of our policies, you have a 50-day free look, 15 days, sorry, free look. So in that 15 days, you can actually look at the coverage levels, figure out what's covered, what's not, and then easily cancel if it's not the right product for you. Because we do want the best product for the for, for the right trip. And... You know, whether, and there's a lot of different companies out there in a lot of different booking paths, if you will. Um, I know, so I can't speak, of course, for everybody, but for us, we, we make it very clear what we cover so you can buy the policy with peace of mind. And and prior, and you're right, the world changed. Our, our, our updates have changed along with that.
0: Richard, you know, I'm old enough to remember, I'm dating myself here that when I used to go traveling as a kid with my parents, they used to have this machine at the airport that just sold flight insurance. You may remember it. You know, they even had an envelope you could mail it in and it was a, it cost you maybe $8. And, uh, you know, it was basically if the plane goes down and you die, someone else gets $100,000 or if you lose a finger <laughs> or a limb. Um, and I never really bought that. But what we're really talking about now is trip cancellation and interruption policies. That's what I see online when I go on Orbitz and Expedia and Travelocity. But then there's another form of coverage, which gets a little confusing, which is medical evacuation and repatriation. So let's first talk about trip cancellation and interruption insurance and how that's evolved, if you can.
1: Well, so I think the if if you were traveling you know let's say twenty five thirty years ago when when I got into the industry you know there the a lot of the suppliers we'll say the hotels and the airlines um and the theme parks they were just much more forgiving with cancellations, but as the world's become uh a, a different place and travels become a little bit different. You know, a lot of these places don't refund and don't give you credits anymore. So travel insurance had to evolve with, with the need. I think that the traveler drives what we build, if you will. So in, in today's world for trip cancellation, um, and, and I always say, make sure you read your policy, because every policy is a little bit different, um, in different coverage levels, but, our policies are, are built to cover for cancellations if you or a loved one or a traveling companion gets sick, gets in a car accident, uh, can't make it to the airport for, we'll say, a covered reason, which is, is usually a, an illness of a traveler, or even possibly uh, uh, losing a, uh, your employment. That's also uh, covered under a lot of our policies. So wow, there, okay. Can- Go ahead, sorry.
0: No, go ahead. Well, so so. Well, of course, you when, you, your trip- when you talk about cancellation policies, I'm sorry, but when you talk about cancellation policies, there was a policy out there for a while. I think some companies still offer it, which was CFAR, right? Cancel for any reason. Um, you know, I, I call it the just because policy. Um, but you have to read that policy carefully because if you just, if you do have that policy, which is a much more expensive premium, as you would imagine. If you canceled it, let's say two years ago, you got back maybe 75% of what you were paying for your trip. Today, that's been adjusted downward. You only get back about 50% under many policies. Um, so I guess the real key here is to read the language in the policy to understand what a covered incident is, right? What a covered reason is. So you mentioned a couple of them for trip cancellation, but what I, I'll give you a for instance, right? I'm on the way to the airport and I get a flat tire or uh, that doesn't cover it, right?
1: Well, depending on your policy, it could because you're 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 getting a uh if you were getting a car accident on the way to the airport and you had a, a an incident like that, that could be a covered reason under the policy to cancel. And got it. it Okay and, and also you're you're absolutely right. There's a thing called the CFAR, cancel for any reason product, and they have changed dramatically in, in the marketplace. And a lot of those in the marketplace have, you know, no coverage at all twenty four or seventy two hours. So it's important you read it. Now we have a, a cancel any time product that actually pays eighty percent for a bad hair day, if you will, and a hundred percent for a covered reason. So but, but that covers you up to the time and the second you depart. So, again, it's really important that you read the coverage levels that, that pertain to your trip.
0: I got it. And then there's medical evacuation and repatriation coverage, which, depending on the definition of terms, is either coverage or it's just a service, Correct. It,
1: it is, and I guess that, that depends on, on how it's followed with the state. So, for instance, you know, the policies that, that you see that from Allianz, you'll see cover, you know, cover that. If you have to get, you know, one, if you become ill on a trip, There's medical coverage, and we're primary in just about all of our products, so we just cover it. In addition to the medical coverage being primary, there's also, you know, if you have to get home, there's medical evacuation that could get you home so... If you need to get to an appropriate facility, and it's here in the United States, we're going to get you to that facility. And if you're in Germany and there's great health care, then, of course, we're going to take care of, of you there and cover that bill up to the coverage
3: limit.
2: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: My thanks to Richard. And now it's time to really follow the money, as in your money. In this brave new economic world of COVID, Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst and host of Jill on Money, has the dollars as well as the cents. How are you?
2: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: So here we are. It's a new year. We're emerging slowly from this crisis. But one of the things that we saw in a big way last year in May, June, and July was that pent-up demand. People were traveling. They couldn't help themselves. And they were spending money like I've never seen it. Uh, All this money that had been on the sidelines, and money didn't seem to be a problem. People were spending full bore to go everywhere they wanted to because they were trying to make up for lost time. And, uh, of course, you'd be the first person to say, maybe not such a good idea.
2: Not necessarily. Look, I think that a lot of people were really fortunate in that they kept their jobs. They were really pretty stable. And as a result, they were able to say, hey, look, you know what? I, I didn't spend all the money I used to spend on travel. A lot of people set up separate travel budgets, just they have a little bucket of money set aside. You know, all of these um, pieces um, kind of argue for that there were. there's just a ton of excess saving. And, you know, when you kind of are in, how shall I say, deprivation mode for, for a year and a half on and off. I think that it makes a ton of sense that people are just willing to fork out a lot of money to go someplace new, to go place someplace old, to just be out of this routine and to feel good. So frankly, the idea that you know costs were up, I think a lot of people that I spoke to were sort of, they kind of brushed it aside and they said, well, even if it's 20% more than what I would have paid two years ago, I don't care. Because I haven't spent any money in the last two years. So they were able to afford
0: it. And that brings up an interesting question. And I have to make an admission here about how wrong I was about something. Because when the pandemic hit and people literally, you know, left their offices and many of them left their jobs and revenue was stopped. I kept on thinking, Uh oh, here comes the biggest number of credit card defaults I've ever seen. People are just gonna won't be able to pay their credit card bills. You're gonna see people their credit reports are going to be terrible, people are going to go bankrupt, and I was so wrong, people not only paid off their credit cards, they are actually saving money.
2: Yeah, I mean, the amount of savings that accrued was pretty amazing, because we had a lot of government support, which was great, you know, and people needed it, and of course, we just didn't have a lot to spend on, and by some estimates, Uh, if you look at the amount of savings amid the pandemic, it was amounted to $2.4 trillion. T with a trillion, 12 zeros, trillion dollars in excess of what people would have saved had this never happened. And, you know, I know that there are many families that couldn't afford to go travel, but there are a lot of folks who had delayed their, their travel plans. And had really thought about what they want to do. And I think also coming out of the pandemic, people do have this mantra. I hear about it on at Jill on Money, on my show all the time, that I am no longer going to defer things because, you know what, I never know what could happen next. And, hey, you know what, it, it, there is some truth to that, right? We don't know oh, when the next weird event is going to happen,
0: right? You are, you are so right because I, um, I remember back in 2008, 2009, during the you know the Great Recession and I called it the uh, Last Supper mentality. I mm-hmm. was in Paris, and I walked into a hotel. It was completely crowded in the midst of this financial crisis with American tourists. And I said, mm-hmm. "You're here now? Oh yeah. Why? Well, we felt if we didn't go now, we'd never go. And mm-hmm. and they took the whole family. It was everybody went. You know, it yeah. was. Uh, and we're seeing that again now.
2: Yeah, I, you know." I think there's also um, a sense of deprivation and, you know, scarcity, which we come out of that and there's an exaggerated response, right? I mean, it's a little bit like yo-yo dieting, right? Like I've been so good for so long. Oh, it's the holidays. I'm going to eat like a, have strap that feed bag onto my face. Oh wait, I'm talking about myself (laughs) and eat for a month. And you know, I don't think there's anything really wrong with that. I think that for a lot of people who really do love to travel, it was sort of the double whammy. You know, you know my executive producer Mark Telercio, and he's a big traveler. And for him, the only thing that his entire goal for twenty twenty two is, you know, he's got two things: get my kid inoculated because he has a two and a half year old, and he's and get on an airplane and go someplace.
0: Yeah, I get it, and yet. Yep. What's the other word we're hearing now? It starts with an I. Inflation. And costs are going up.
2: Yeah. I mean, inflation stinks. It's, um, you know, we saw the recent report of the CPI was out. Uh, prices up overall by 7% from a year ago. A lot of travel stuff is up pretty big. Um, you know, What happened was kind of interesting that we first were told that don't worry about inflation. It's really about that's goods inflation, meaning that we had weird supply. And when you wanted to buy stuff, the stuff was in the wrong place at the wrong time and costs were going up right as people were demanding more. But with services, I think there was a real pent up aspect to it. Like, I'll just pay anything to get on an airplane. I'll just pay anything to stay in a hotel. Um, and I, I think that the the question really becomes, you know, how will people feel about booking their next trip, not the first trip out of COVID, but their second or third trip, if the costs remain high? And, you know, I don't think we're going to see inflation come down very quickly. I think it'll come down throughout the year, but it may be that a lot of the folks in the leisure and hospitality industry, and you know this better than I do, might say, listen, we took it on the chin for two years. We're going to keep prices high because we've got money to make. we got to get that money back. So I don't know, do you think hotel rates are going to go down? Am I going to get a deal on going to the Bristol and Paris? I kind of doubt it.
0: Well, you picked the one hotel where you're probably not going to get the deal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like to make it hard for you, Peter.
0: Now I know. But no, you're right. I mean, look, they're trying to recoup revenue that they otherwise could never recoup. Uh mm-hmm. at the same time, they're doing it by providing less service, right? Uh you know, no housekeeping or limited housekeeping, no room service, uh, you know, uh, no laundry, uh maybe the restaurant's not even open, but they're charging the regular rates. It's mm-hmm. a very really interesting challenge to see if the audience, the travelers, the people who listen to the show Will approach that and just take it sitting down. You may have a you may have a situation where everything becomes negotiable at a certain point, point. Um, and uh, yes. I, I see that a lot.
2: Yeah, I think it, it, that's really interesting because I just think it's hard to know what consumer behavior is going to look like, um, and and that's the thing that the Federal Reserve is going to be very focused on. Right, so. You know, I'm, I'm, I, this is coming the weekend after Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell was testifying before Congress. He had another confirmation hearing to sit for another four years as chairman of the Federal Reserve. And he couldn't have been clearer in saying the Federal Reserve is now feeling like the employment situation is under control. It's time to attack prices, that they will act forcefully, that they will raise interest rates by at least four times um this year, by a quarter of a point each, I mean, that really doesn't do much, by the way. It goes from, that means we go from zero to 1%. We're still not at what I would call sort of normal times in uh, interest rates. But, you know, imagine this, Peter, if you had a, a situation where the Fed's raising interest rates, the stock market starts to slide, Maybe we actually see the Fed go a little bit too far. And maybe there's actually like a plain old recession, not a COVID scary, like dip and return back, but a regular old recession. You know, what will that do to the travel industry? And I don't know. I don't know, because I still think there's a lot of people who made a lot of money during this pandemic. And I know that's not a particularly um, pleasant thing to think about while others were suffering and hundreds of thousands of people dying. But there are a lot of businesses
0: that did very well. Jill, in the last two years, what have we seen? We've seen so many people having the opportunity, not that they planned on it, but having the opportunity to reassess their entire lot in life, where they live, where they work, what they make, uh, what they spend. And at least 10% of the population, at least in travel and hospitality, decided to leave and not even come back. That explains some of the real staffing shortages that you're seeing across the entire travel and tourism industry. But as people change their their location and they change their lifestyle, what does this do to the whole balance in the economy as people have to figure out, you know, how to pay for it all?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I think – Jill on Money is a program where we're very focused on money, but we're also focused on lifestyle, okay? And so when I hear from folks, oh, and I should be plugging my other broadcast, Peter, Eye on Money, which is the CBS podcast. Um, But, uh, you know, when we hear from people, what we're trying to do is how do we help you make the best choice to figure out what you want to do? And if travel is something you really want to do, the question that I'm often confronted with is like, well, okay – um, you want to do this, you want to do this thing called take a big trip, uh, what are your assets, What is the, uh, what are your opportunities to do that? Now, we already talked about the fact that a lot of people have savings, but the next question is, well, should I borrow money to do this big trip? And you know, I'm pretty wimpy about that. I don't love that idea. Um, I know there's a ton of people who um, are happy to put the big trip on a credit card and pay it off over time, um, but you know, there's all these new buy now, pay later services, which is basically like short-term financing. It's like the old installment loan at the at the department store, and that makes allows you to make a purchase to pay for your trip, and you pay for it at a future date. And often it's interest free, so it's certainly better than a credit card. Um, but you know, look, I don't. I'm a little concerned when people spend money they don't have. I get that they want to go do the things they want to do. Um, But uh, I think it's different if it's a small amount of money and you have a good sense that, hey, I'm going to get a bonus or I think I'm probably going to get a raise or, you know, I'm just waiting for um, a moment where I get um, maybe a distribution from something or, you know, whatever, I'm selling property. That's one thing. I think it's very, I think people have to be really careful not to go into debt to do fun stuff. I, I know it's hard to do, but I really, I would really warn against that.
0: So your motto of the day is no debt for fun stuff.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 you know, no soup for you. Like in Seinfeld. I can find I think, I think the problem is that, you know, I was just talking to somebody who is take, who, who actually had a really interesting situation where she has a, um, a nephew who lives in a far off continent who is getting married. I don't even want to add, but were, he was in Africa, and he was getting married. But to, do the, to bring her whole family to Africa for this trip was a ton, a ton of money. And uh, it was interesting. Like, she said to me, how do you feel about me not making a retirement plan contribution and instead using that money for this trip? I said, look, I don't feel good, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, are you, you're going to keep working. You know, you're 45 years old. That doesn't seem to me like the worst decision. It's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. And, you know, are you willing to try to work a little bit harder and maybe add an extra six months to your work life at the end of the day? Then sure, do it. So I don't want to be a curmudgeon either.
0: <laughs> well, you, I could you, be you spe- a curmudgeon. You could, and you could get special bonus miles for being a curmudgeon.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much. There's a whole, there is a whole point plan for that.
0: I know. And of course... Speaking of frequent flyer miles, you know, every year, some overzealous IRS auditor wants to determine that frequent flyer miles are income, and basically people aren't taxed on them. And the funniest thing happens, it ends up in tax court, and it always gets thrown out by the judge. You want to know why?
2: Judge has 12 million miles on American. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were taught me a long time ago, which is, like, use the miles while you have them. Like, I I, I think that there's there's something that people don't realize, which is your, you know, inflation works in many ways. And one of the ways we've seen inflation work, of course, is that, you know, obviously, miles buy far fewer benefits today than they once did, you know, in the early years. So, hey, look, I get it. Um, Use your miles when you can. But also, you know, look there's also things that are interesting about like travel and fighting for like making sure that you get the stuff that you deserve. Um, You know, I had a situation myself. I was supposed to take a trip to London and Berlin right before the pandemic. I couldn't use the ticket. And then, but I spent hours making sure that I could apply that ticket and use it for another trip, which I then had to change again because of the variance. But you know, Sometimes I feel like these organizations, these large travel organizations, are able to like kind of nail you because it's so painful sometimes to just chase down the details and make sure that you get what you're doing. and And there's really no one else to do it for you. You're going to have to do it yourself.
0: I've got a great scenario for you here, Jill. During the pandemic, obviously so many people working from home, even if they relocated to a remote location, they were working from somebody's home. And now the question becomes, is the home office now even more deductible?
2: Hmm. I hate to do this to you because it's just, it really is the worst. But um, in 2017, we had a, ta- a big tax bill passed. No one really remembers this. It seems like 2017 sounds like 100 years ago right now, right? Um, and in that tax bill, tax brackets went down. It was very lucrative for a lot of people. It's very lucrative for A lot of the businesses out there tucked into that bill was the fact that if you are an employee, if you are an employee of an organization, you are no longer able to deduct your business or any expenses having to do with your office. So if you're an employee, no home office deduction and also no deductions for your stand-up desk no deduction for other pieces of, of, of the uh, of your life that you are handling, um, and you know, I think a lot of people um, are are really confused about that. They're like, "Well, I had to spend the money to do this. I had to uh, I had to spend money to buy a new desk. I had to buy a new screen. You can't deduct any of that." However, if you are self employed or a gig worker, um, I I think you got to know that when you have all of those expenses, those can be deducted and those can be deducted from your employment income. So that's really, really important to know. Like you, you can't deduct it if you're an employee and you can deduct it if you're self-employed. And same too, goes for your house or your home office. If you're an employee, no. If you work for yourself, absolutely.
0: Although people are probably going to try it now because they've been living remotely and working remotely and traveling to get there,
2: yeah, it won't matter. They're going to get denied. It's a bad. It's a bad bet. It's, you're not going to, You're just not going to get. Unfortunately, um, it's a, it's going to be an audit red flag, and so it's not even worth trying.
0: Wow. Okay, I'll give you one. Okay. There was, t- there was tucked into an act called the Fast Act, a provision from the IRS that if you are delinquent in your taxes mm-hmm. or you made a promise to pay your taxes and then didn't continue the payments mm-hmm. guess what happens what this is a tr- this is a travel story they will revoke your passport Ooh. or if you're applying for one you'll be denied how about that that's not good
2: i don't like that at all
0: yeah so listen it's i mean look there.
2: the rules the rules are changing on tax this tax season is going to be in insanely confusing for people. It, and I'm sorry to tell you that, like, I wish it were different. That's just the way it's going to be. If you have changed jobs, if you are new to something, if you had a big transaction this year, you may want to try to get in touch with a tax preparer earlier than you might otherwise. It's just not going to be worth it for you to not really be on top of this. Don't wait till the last minute. It's It really is a – it's going to be a a soupy tax season. We just got a report out from the IRS. Tax season opens on January 24th this year, okay? And what we now know is that they're warning us. They're understaffed. They know that they owe refunds from the last two years. They know that people are confused by the child tax credit. They know that people are confused by – the, the rules around, um, how to claim, uh, unemployment benefits. They know that people are confused about a million things and guess what? They just don't have anyone to help you. And it's going to be bad. It's going to be a bad, you better go book your trip now. Cause you're going to deserve a nice vacation after you are um, <laughs> done with your taxes this year. I'm sorry to say.
0: So basically we're talking travel tax rehab.
2: Exactly. And, and I'm sure there's a spa for that I'm sure there's a treat there's probably a nice treatment for that
0: so basically is that a medical deduction then <laughs> oh boy
2: yeah you can deduct medical as you know has to be more than seven and a half or ten percent of your of your adjusted gross income but now I'm giving you too much tax stuff but what I really do want to say is that I, I as you know I love to travel myself I'm a huge believer in in getting outside of yourself about taking down time about trying to experiment and be in other areas that makes you more productive in your real life that gives you exposure to other human beings like i really am such a huge fan
0: my thanks to jill to richard aquino and to anthony capuano and my thanks to you for listening to this ion travel podcast for more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, there's an easy solution. Just log on to PeterGreenberg.com.
2: Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at ClearMe.com Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide.
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader.